Sex Positive Talk, where Shane ends and nothing is off limits. Brought to you by Advocating for Sex Positive Education and Consent Culture, EmpoweredHearts.com, and GTFORadio.ca. I'm your host, Angel, queer fembi, sexuality educator, and sex coach. Welcome back. This is Angel broadcasting from Alberta Sex Positive Education and Community Center. That's A-S-P-E-C-C dot C-A. And you are listening to Sex Talk. We are going to shake things up a little bit today. And we're going to talk about something. It's a secret called group sex. And uh, yeah, so this is one of those topics that I think a lot of people are titillated about. Um quite a few have actually tried it, but there isn't a whole bunch of information on how one gets involved, what sort of things you should look out for, what the etiquette is, that kind of thing. So with me today is an incredible individual who has agreed to come out and talk about their experiences in the group sex community and to give us a little bit of information. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Um, because I'm not sure what people like to use for names when they're on air. Are we using a real name today? Do you have a name picked out that makes you feel comfortable talking today? Um, my name is Violet and I use she, her pronouns. Thank you, Violet. And, uh, yeah. So like one of the things we we get all the time at the center, at the sex positive center in Edmonton is people assuming that we've had a lot of orgies and group sex activities at the space. Um, and I'm very disappointed to have to say that we actually have not at this point had any such thing. So um, we are going to talk about group sex and Violet's going to lead us in it. So can I ask you a bunch of questions or is there anything that you specifically want to start with? Which way works better for you? Um, questions are totally cool with me. That gives me a point, jumping point to go off of. Woohoo! So how long have you been involved in the group sex community and activities? Um, I would say about three years now. Three Possibly years. Possibly four. Now that I think about it, it's four. Four? Well, I mean, do we count last year? Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you don't mind me saying, you are very young, which really surprised me when you started talking about your experiences. I think because for folks in my age group, I mean, I'm I'm 50 this year, um, it took us a long time often, like took a lot of us a long time to come to terms with our sexuality. So I don't think I could have explored that kind of thing as a young adult. So how did you get into it? What made you decide to get into it? Where did you find the confidence? Tell us your secrets. For me, part of it was just situational. So I got lucky in the social media aspect where I got told about a site called Fat Life. And from there, I made friends. And one of those friends invited me to a play party that he hosted. And from then on, I found groups on chat rooms. So, like, um, one of the ones we used was Kick for a while, which moved to Mimi for a little bit. And it's just a good way to meet people who are like-minded in that retrospect. And part of it, too, is also have making friends. Like, that's honestly the end of it is. In order to get invited to these, you need to make friends with the right people and broaden your horizons. So it's you can't, get into it you can't just show up? 
not normally. You have to know someone who is going to invite you, who can vouch for you, because if you have problematic behavior, that person also needs to be held accountable because they brought you. Oh, interesting. Now, there are some that will let you just show up, but I found that um, as a person with a vagina, I have an issue with that because there's a lot of non-consensual things that happen, and that concerns me. No, that's fair. Like, that's absolutely fair. So... I just want to make sure I'm parsing this. Um, so you typically only go to events or groups or whatever where somebody has to vouch for you and bring you with. Uh-huh. Although there are groups where or and events, and I'm sure there's individuals even that do things differently, but you had negative experiences with that. Exactly. And for some people, that's what they want is just the anonymous sex. And that's totally cool. It's just not for me. Awesome. So one of the things, I I mean, even though we've had lots of conversations, I'm actually surprised to hear you say that it's not anonymous sex. Like, I think I just made a leap there that if you're doing group sex stuff, that of course it's anonymous. Mm -hmm. And at some points it is. Like, there's always, almost always someone you don't know there. But you also get to know people. It's not just all of a sudden like, oh, you're going to be playing with this person that just showed up. You talk to them, you get to know them. Um... Most of the time, there's a lot of just hanging out and chatting and getting to know people before anybody gets comfortable enough to start playing. That actually makes a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and we're talking about like more than two people involved at a time. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, I can see, I can see there needing to be a little discussion, particularly if you got some folks in the room that are a little homophobic and want to make sure. They're not crossing swords, as they put it, for, you know, penis-on-penis contact. Um, And you have other people who are a little more open. So I can see that causing a lot of issues as well. Like, is that something that you run into? That's not something I personally run into, but a lot of what I've seen in my experience has been more heteronormative. Because with the groups that I've been, they've been predominantly older people. And I'm not saying it's all older people, it's just there's typically the stigma of homosexuality is still really bad. For the older groups, yeah. Yeah. Unless it's, of course, two women, because I'm hot. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, like, that's what we've been fed in society, right? Two, Mm -hmm. two feminine people making out, that must be for the male gaze. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about your first experience, like, how did that play out? What were some of the things that you were surprised by? What kind of things do you wish you had known better? Like, give us the down low. Um, for wish I would have known better, I wish I would have vetted where I went first a little bit more. So, looked into a bit more, found people who had experienced it before and enjoyed it. Um, something that surprised me was that the person was bringing in single people with penises so single guys is what they mostly were and they would have to pay a lot for the hotel room so in that case um the person in charge was making them pay 50 dollars each if they were a single person but if you had a vagina you could get in for free okay and that's actually pretty common um the ones all the ones i've been to have been like that but that was the most expensive thing that I saw there, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, because it was weird. Okay, the so I, I just me. want to make sure I understand this. So you have somebody who's a vagina person, who's uh-huh. agreeing to have sex with a group of people at one time. 
And then some other individual books a hotel room and then profits off the party? Yep. <laughs> Long story short, that's basically what happened at the first one I went to, and that made me super uncomfortable. That's like... I'm like... I'm I'm speechless. So, like, they're not setting it up like sex work because the individuals having sex aren't getting paid. But the person who rents the room is basically setting the whole... So what happens if the vagina person changes their mind after everybody's paid? That depends on the situation. Um, if there's only one person, I don't know what happens. I was lucky in the sense that there were a few people with vaginas, so I could just kind of tap out and be like, all right, well, I'm, this was my first time, I'm done, bye. And I think it also helped that I had someone there that I trusted, that was my partner at the time, so it helped that I had his back, or he, he had my back, so I didn't necessarily have to try and get out there myself, I have had a safety net in case I needed it. Holy crap. Because, like, you and I both know that once, particularly if you're looking at a more entitled, privileged group of people, um, that once they've paid for something, they really feel like they've paid for something. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, all the hair on my arms just stood up. I'm really glad yeah. that you came out of that safely. Yeah, and that was only, like, that was my first experience. And from then on, I realized what to look for and... Nothing was ever that uncomfortable. Everything was really consensual. Okay. So, like, what kind of things could, like, say um, a newbie wants to go out and do this kind of thing? Like, um, you said there's been a lot of different social media platforms. Like, what's popping right now? Like, I know you can't even do Craigslist anymore. Kick is kind of a, a dead situation now, correct? Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, yeah. So, and I know that GTFO has their GTFO... Um, crap gtfo community live gtfo live i'm gonna get that for you it's it's on my phone so i have to wait till we're on break but i'm gonna get that they've got a community one that you can post on which is super cool because it's alberta only um well or people who are traveling to alberta that are known to the alberta community but where else can people go right now um i found their success in a website called setlife.com okay that being said there's it depends on where you are in the world and what your situation is like in the place you're living. Like, we have a very active swingers community here, so that helps. Mm-hmm. So, like, even local swinger clubs are a good idea. If you have the opportunity, like, go to make friends and just kind of reach your feelers out and be like, hey, I'm interested in this. Do you guys have any ideas of, like, if that's going to happen here? Or do you know of anywhere that'll happen? That really helps. Okay. Uh, there's also a social media one that I fire up directly daily. It's M-E-W-E, and I found some groups on there, but they're not as active as they once were, probably because of the pandemic still. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I imagine the pandemic has really crimped the group sex style. I think it has. I honestly, I kind of ducked out of the groups for a little bit because of people wanting to be unsafe, and I didn't want to risk my family like that. Yeah. And it's been, I think all of our sex groups have, have found that it's a hit or miss situation now. 
Um, so for folks who are just tuning in, you're listening to Sex Talk. With me today is is um, Violet, who uses she, her pronouns. We're talking about group sex, and Violet got into it pretty young, still is an adult, like I want to be clear. I'm just, I'm old, so Violet seems very young to me. Um, and has been doing it for a few years, and is going to share a bunch of experiences with us. Uh, and if you were wondering about the song that started right before our show, I'd loaded up my favorite playlist to listen to while I was waiting to launch the program. And that was my middle child. Um, you can find them on YouTube under Delilah North. And uh, that was one of her original compositions. So snuck it in there. Sorry about that. Uh, we are going to go to a little bit of a break here and we will be right Welcome back to Sex Talk. This is Angel. I use they, them pronouns. And with me today is Violet, the extraordinary Violet, who uses she, her pronouns. And we are talking about group sex. And for those that don't know, this is an unsponsored podcast. So we are here as volunteers. If you'd like to support shame-free sex ed, you can reach out to www.aspecc.ca. That's aspec.ca. And we do all kinds of nonprofit stuff, so check it out. Keep our podcast going. And before we get back into talking about group sex, I'd just like to send a big shout out to GTFO for giving us a platform to be able to normalize sex positivity and really focus on how consent really makes all of the difference. And uh, yeah. Hi, Violet. Thank you so much for sharing about group sex. I am so excited about this conversation. Thank you for having me. This is a really fun conversation to have. I bet. And I imagine it's not something you can like chat about around the Thanksgiving dinner table. Unfortunately, it depends on which half of the family we're talking about. <laughs> right? Um, so, so far, Violet has talked a little bit about her first experience with group sex and what got her into it, how she found it, that kind of thing. And especially with a, a little bit of a focus there on maybe having done a little bit more research before she entered that first party. Um, so I know there's different ways and types of group sex. Can you give us like kind of an introduction to the vocab that's used in the group sex community? So, kind of warning, like a lot of the vocab that I know of is very heteronormative because that seems to be the predominance in the community, at least what I've found so far. I probably need to dig a bit more to find more inclusive terms. So, with group sex, that can be anything from a threesome to uh, a gangbang or an orgy. Now, a threesome is typically um, one person of one gender identity and two persons of another, but there's honestly so many different ways it can go. And I've never actually personally had a threesome, so, like, I can't give too much on that topic, unfortunately. Okay. But a threesome still does definitely count. There's other things um, up next from there. Is like one of the more common things is couple swapping, where you and your partner can swap partners with basically another couple. So whether that's uh, more homoerotic or heteroerotic depends on the couple itself, and a lot of that is in negotiations. And then from there we get into um, orgies and gangbangs, which are basically the same thing. Um, the difference being is that gangbangs typically have more penis havers, whereas orgies are normally a more equal amount of penis and vagina people. Okay. And so, like, for a gangbang, is that, like, when typically there'll be, like, someone with vagina 
who's just kind of laying there and there's a line of people with penises to come in and have have intercourse with them? Basically, yeah. And then it depends on, like, what the person's okay with. So um, you can have two or three people with penises per person with vagina. So it really does depend. And that can be happening all at once where there's multiple people. It's just normally there's at least a two-to-one ratio of people with penises to vaginas there. Cool. And then, so, like, what happens with... Because um, I'm assuming not everybody who's engaging in, in an orgy or in a gangbang is open to absolutely everything. Like, everybody's got things they like, things they don't like. Um, so say you have somebody at the orgy who's like, I'm cool with anything but not anal. So uh-huh. how how in an orgy would you know who's okay with what? Um, a lot of it is communication. So in my case, I've been asked, like, you know, do you prefer this or this? And I've always been like, you know what, I'm okay with vaginal stuff, but please don't stick anything in my butt, because that's just not happening. That's fair. So, And as long as people respect it, that's the best part about it. Oh, that's, I mean, they should respect it. Um, that's pretty clear communication. But, like, there's no, there's no secret code or anything. It's just actual big person words with big person attitudes. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't express what you want, you... People aren't mind readers, so it's all communication. Okay, so what happens if somebody who has permission to be there just kind of dives in and starts doing things? It depends on the situation. I've seen that happen where um, the person wasn't comfortable speaking up who had things getting done to them, so they spoke up after the fact. And the person that did the things that, that never asked beforehand ended up getting banned for that reason. Okay. Consent is the most sexy part, and if you don't ask before touching someone, you can get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, well, I mean, legally that's assault. So, I, I'm grateful to hear that in the community that you found that that's being upheld, that people can't have assaulting behaviors. Um, when you're talking about um, group sex, and you have... Like, do you have people that show up to participate and then they just can't make their bodies do it? Mm-hmm. That's happened before, and that's one of those things you take with stride, especially um, people who have things like erectile dysfunction. That's really common in a lot of people, and it's really stigmatized. So it, a lot of it is internalized of like, oh, you know, it's not you, it's me, and it is actually that person's problem, but... Too many people take it personally. The best thing is to go with the flow. Just because someone doesn't have a penis that works at that point in time doesn't mean they're useless. So I've had some of my best fun, actually, with someone who had erectile dysfunction and was just using their hands. Which, I can't see a downside to that, personally, but... You know, I get it. Preference, right? And I love that you brought up the stigma there because we really do. Like we, we tend to sum people's value up in, in based on very limited um, abilities, you know, and whether or not you can get an erection is, is one of those abilities. Um, I just, I wondered if there, if people are like, oh my God, yeah, that would be so much fun. I want to do it. And then they get there and they're so anxious that they just can't. So... I'm glad that I'm not the only person who would be that anxious, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, no. A lot of people there are normally pretty uncomfortable to start with, especially if it's your first time. Mm-hmm. 
So basically the best thing to do is get comfortable. So that's one of the reasons that a lot of times we'll just talk beforehand, like either sit on the beds or normally there's a couple chairs there and just sit and chat and get to know the people there before anything, any clothes get taken off. That's fantastic. And do you find that there's typically um, like a core group that almost always shows up and then you get like drop-ins sort of thing, like new faces? Yep, that's normally about what happens. So there's, depending on the week and who is hosting it, because the host does change pretty often depending on who has what time and what kids, because everybody has a life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So normally there's like four or five people who normally show up and typically most people do already know each other from chat rooms. Mm-hmm. But if like someone brings a friend of a friend, they introduce and it's like, hey, this is this person. This is our first time here and just get to know them better. Oh, this really isn't what I was picturing, to be honest. I was picturing more of a, you know... You say, hey, this is what I'm willing to do, and the person organizing it just says, Kate, this is all you're allowed to do, and, you know, surprise, here's the people who've come to do the things. Yeah, no, it's a lot of quick negotiation before and sometimes during what's going on. So a lot of times it is negotiating up, and it is a little bit of an issue, so I can understand people not wanting to do it because of that, but... At the same time, I find that in pure sex parties like that, it is a lot more of a gray area for consent-based stuff. So when you're talking about like negotiating up in gray areas, like can you expand on that a bit? So if you agree to someone to do only um, outer foreplay, so like having, so if I have a vagina, because I do, um, if I agree to someone that they can only, like, rub my clit and not insert anything, if I'm really getting into it, they'll be like, okay, well, like, are you okay if I insert, like, a finger or something? And that is more of a gray area in that kind of situation, even though it is more clear-cut in what I've, we've been taught about consent culture in aspect. Gotcha. So in aspect, that would have never stood. But in that situation, in most of those parties, it is more common and a little bit squirty for me. No, I can I can understand that. Like, we've really raised the bar high at Aspect, where if you're going to do things, you get consent before people feel vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. Because there needs to be, like, a ground floor for people to practice that kind of thing and to learn to advocate for themselves and to respect autonomy. But I can see how that might not fly in a group sex kind of zone because somebody I think a lot of people say I only want you to do this meaning until I'm ready for more exactly that's what a lot of people have happened because a lot of it is getting comfortable with the person so if you're only comfortable to an extent and then all of a sudden you feel yourself more comfortable then you can agree to more but it's a gray area and then I know you said that it's very a very heteronormative crowd. Um, I do know some folks who are non-binary and folks who are trans who've participated in the group sex community. So I know it's not like locked off or anything. Um, but do you find that there's more um, folks with vaginas that go to these things or more folks with penises that are interested in group sex? Like, is there a, a gender weight to it? 
I found that most of the time it's about 50-50 even-wise. Um, I find that a lot of times the only reason not everybody shows up that says they are is because they're busy. Mm-hmm. And the other thing being sometimes people just get too nervous. So it ends up being like as much as you want it to say be um, a ratio of one person vagina to two persons with penises, it never ends up being that way. And it normally ends up being about even, which is kind of ideal, but also kind of not depending on what you want the dynamics to be for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can um, see that being complicated to navigate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. But when it comes to, like, people who are trans and non-binary, like, definitely they do show up. I've just, like, in my experience, I've only actually seen one non-binary person there. Okay. And I think that might just be the group that I was in where they weren't very open and welcoming to trans people. Ah. Uh. So, unless you make the effort, people aren't going to be comfortable, and a lot of people weren't able to make the effort. Gotcha. And so, um, you're finding that uh, people might not be as progressive as they are in other sex circles in the group sex community? Like, am I picking up on that correctly? I'm not sure if it's... I, can, I can't really speak for the whole community. I'm just going by what I've seen. And the places I found were definitely more um, conservative, I want to say. Which isn't that funny when we're talking about group sex, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's almost but like I'm... the more conservative you are, the more sexually repressed you are. But, you know, that could just be me. Um, we do have to kick over to break. Before I do kick us over to break, um, I checked to see what the name of the community site was. It's gtfoonline.ca. So get the fuck on. Online. On life. Sorry. .ca. So gtfo on life.ca um, and they've got like some pretty cool community groups on there if you happen to be somebody in the province of Alberta or hanging out with the Alberta sex community um, if you've just tuned in you are listening to sex talk we are talking with someone with li- lived experience I almost said live experience they're not doing it right this instant um, lived experience in the group sex community and they're showing us all the ins and outs if you don't mind the pun i'm gonna kick us over to some tunes we will be right back hey everybody welcome back you are listening to sex talk this is angel i use they them pronouns and i am broadcasting today out of alberta sex positive education and community center and with me is violet she her we've been talking about group sex and i have to say folks send all the fan mail because violet has been incredibly generous in sharing her experiences and what she's learned in the group sex community. Welcome back, Violet. I am so glad to have you on. Thank you. I'm honestly really enjoying being here. Yay! Um, Well, you know, we like to try and be a safe space for people to talk about their actual experiences. And uh, I know you've worked with me quite a bit, so... Um, and you've helped us to develop some of our consent stuff. So I super appreciate you bringing your passion to the table, both on the show and in the community at large, no pun intended, seeing how we're talking about group sex. Um, I have some, so, I mean, so far you've talked about how, you know, your first event, the individual running the space was taking money from the folks with penises that participated, Um, and obviously made some money off of it and how that just created a sense of awkwardness. Um, and you've talked about how the consent bar is pretty darn high and people are supposed to ask before they do anything and respect the boundaries that are set out. And if they don't, they're removed and often blacklisted, which is fantastic. 
And you've talked about, you know, people setting boundaries, like I only want to do this, or I'll do this with you, but only that with with you. And I think that's also incredible. For folks that missed it, the gender difference is pretty much non-existent. Um, even though, you know, they aim to have more folks with penises attending for group sex activities, particularly gangbangs and things, it ends up being kind of 50-50. Although so far, a lot of the groups seem to be pretty heteronormative, um, which makes sense to me. We live in a society that's really heteronormative. So, um, yeah, we're working on that. Um, but I have questions about things like sexual health. Like, are there standards for risk reduction, for screening? Like, do you have to present a clean STI test to get in? No, you don't, actually. Which really shocked me at the time that I first went, at least. Mm-hmm. And then kind of became used to it, you don't have to disclose your STI status unless you feel obligated to, okay. which, in my opinion, is a little bit fucked up, Okay. because you don't know who you're going to be playing with. That being said, um, the only mandatory barriers are condoms. Oh. So, so no what barriers about... for, uh, no dental dams, no gloves, and, or anything like that, it's only condoms. Unless you bring your own. Oh my god. Okay, so I'm a sexual health educator, in case anybody is curious. And, uh, like, my head is spinning right now. So for, for the last five years, Alberta has been in the lead for new cases of syphilis and gonorrhea, particularly of the throat, and now chlamydia for the last few years as well. And uh, I think I might know why all of a sudden. Um, so condoms are commonly used, I'm assuming, for penis and vagina and penis and anus sex and penis and mouth sex? Not for penis and mouth sex, actually. What? So that would be one of the big factors in that. Well, that explains why we're seeing so much syphilis and gonorrhea of the throat. So what happens, what happens if you say for me, yes condoms for oral then you run the choice of the other person you're dealing with saying yes which would be ideal or saying no and if they say no and get belligerent then you can tell the person organizing and they'll be removed because what you consent to is what you consent to and you don't get to be bullied for that okay so every individual is allowed to add to the harm reduction that they're setting for uh-huh. themselves. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, and for folks that don't know, like you can actually um, transmit and and get um, sexually transmitted infections from oral sex. And that includes um, rimming, which is mouth to anus, uh, cunnilingus, which is mouth to vulva, or fellatio, which is mouth to penis. Um, this happens. And not just for the person using their mouth, like for the person with genitals too. Because... Group sex, things are going in all kinds of places, right? Um, I'm really, I'm really surprised that they don't have dental dams or that they're not using internal condoms, at least, or something. Also, most don't even have latex-free condoms, so if you have a latex allergy, you're expected to bring your own. Huh. And how about like lube? Are people using lube? Um, there is typically lube provided, but it's normally like they bring a bottle, and it's a bottle for everyone to share. Ew. A little bit, yeah. So do you see people bringing their own sort of thing? 
Um, I actually haven't seen anybody bring their own. Hmm. That's because that aspect, like we tell people, bring your own lube. Mm-hmm. Or we have sample packs, right? Um, wow. Like I'm, I'm really s- struggling with that. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, I, and I kind of wonder if there's a correlation between that, you know, conservative, um, demographic and all the sexual repression and then the not being educated about the appropriate, um, tools at your disposal for reducing the risk. Honestly, yeah, that would make a lot of sense to me. So, to your knowledge, do people get tested regularly? Um, everyone says they get tested, but it's not like you can really ask them. I mean, you can ask them if, like, they'd be willing to share their, uh, papers of, like, hey, got an STI test. But most people would say no, because that's a lot of personal information on there. Well, and it's only good for up to the date that you got the test, and typically for a few days before, because some things take some time to come up, right? Um, Exactly. So I have a question here from someone who's texted in. And if anybody else has questions, you can reach me at 587-340-5899. Feel free to text a question. Um, This person says, I would ask if there's a culture of not using barriers of the mouth, that there would be pressure to not ask for it because I would feel that way. Honestly, I felt the same way, which is why I've never asked for it myself. So because nobody else is doing it, it feels like you can't set that boundary for yourself? Mm-hmm, which is why I've really appreciated aspect stance on it of it's mandatory, so therefore I can advocate for myself and have someone to back me up with it. That's incredible. Um, that's a really good question. Thank you, listener, for sending that one in. Um, another question is... When you're engaging in group sex activities, is that only when you're single, single, or do you have a partner when you're doing this? I've done it as both a single and with a partner. Um, I found that the upside to bringing a partner is if you need someone to back you up, especially if you're a person with a vulva, that it's good to have someone there who will stand by your side if you need help getting out of a situation. Okay. That's also just personally my comfort level. Mm-hmm. Um, as a single, I found that it's a little bit more uncomfortable, but that's also just my social awkwardness. Um, going there and not knowing anyone makes me anxious, but I know a lot of people <laughs> love that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. <laughs> so it really does depend on your comfort level on whether or not, because it's open to either type. Like you can bring your partner, you can go by yourself. Um, they're accepting of pretty much everyone. If you want to have some hedonistic sex, that's basically what everyone's there for. That's amazing. And for anybody who's looking for a like a soft way to break into that kind of thing, I heard an excellent suggestion from one of the managers at the Aurora Social Club in Edmonton, um, which is a swingers club. And they said, like, maybe the first time you go together and you just kind of make out in the room with other people watching and then go talk about it. See how you felt about it. Right? Like, you don't have to dive right into, you know, having group sex. Like, you can put a toe in the water and see how you feel. Um, oh, I have another one. Um, where can you go if you don't want cishet groups? Are there any queer groups that you found? I have yet to find a week for groups. Part of that is um, me struggling with my own sexuality. I've never been with someone who has a vulva, so I'm 
a little bit intimidated to go out and search for those groups because I'm concerned that I'm going to be made fun of for that. Uh, yeah, no, I get that. I <laughs> I wish I didn't get that, but I get that. Um, it sounds color and violet. Sounds like we now have something we need to do. I think we need to start a queer sex positive night. Um, maybe even do like a little a little speed dating activity or something. Um, we have another question here, and that is, do you find that most of the organizers are um, men, people with penises, um, or are there um, some vulva-bearing people that organize these events? I found it to be actually about 50-50. Nice. Which is actually surprising. I thought, I thought originally it was going to be more people with penises um, being the ones who put it forward. But for the ones I've went to, it has ended up being about 50-50. And I found that, actually, I enjoy the ones who are hosted by feminine presenting people more because I felt safer there. Because they they understand the microaggressions a little better, probably, hey? I think so. Yeah, no, I get that. I I can understand that. I would be a little leery about some guy I don't know saying, hey, come on down. Pick a bed. We'll keep you safe. Um, just saying, um, although there are some amazing individuals out there that I would trust, I don't know if I could put that kind of trust into a stranger. And then for folks that are thinking about getting into this kind of stuff, like, do you have like a tip list that you would like to share? Definitely follow the rules, like know the rules of the safe beforehand. Um, most places will tell you the rules once you start talking to them. It's like, okay, so the rules are like... You have to use barriers for penis and vagina sex or penis and anus sex. Um, typically, they're in hotel rooms, so note that one. So if it's out of your comfort zone, don't go. Um, another tip is most of the time it's in a hotel room with two queen beds. Normally, one is a bed that's okay to get wet and the other is not. So if you know that you are the person you're going to be with is going to make a mess, then make sure you're on the wet bed because people get very grumpy if they have to sleep in a dry bed or in a wet bed. Interesting. Also, something I found that really makes people really appreciate it is bring a little bit of extra cash to help pitch pitch in for the room because people are doing this out of their own pocket. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. At least cover the cost of the space. That is very cool. To think, like, that, you know, to to bring that kind of a tip list. Anything else that you want to add on there? Um, if you're concerned about a specific brand of condom, like, if you're worried they're not going to have that, that's the one that you need, like, bring your own. There's no shame in that. Same with lube. Um, if you want to wash up, I suggest bringing your own cloth or a towel because if you are in a hotel room, there's only, like, maybe two cloths. Yeah. That, that's a really good point. The laundry will be limited. Um, we have another question here from a caller asking, um, is it possible that the strong female presence and impetus to start the event is reflective of bi curiosity? Um, I think I get what you're going for there, um, caller. I think I get that, right? Like the fact that there's so many um, vulva-bearing folk there. Like, do you think maybe that's indicative that there's a lot more people who are also kind of curious about the Volvo and Volvo sexual contact? 
case of the person I'm specifically thinking of, that was very much probably why I felt so comfortable, was because it wasn't as heteronormative, and I didn't feel like I was an outsider in that sense. Gotcha. Because, um, as she put it herself, um, she would, um, go out specifically just to go down on a woman or person with vagina because that she can't stay in a monogamous relationship with a man because of that. She is truly bisexual. And those were her words, not mine. I'm not here to judge anybody based on their validity of bisexuality or pansexuality. Huh. That's, like, absolutely fascinating to me. And then for, because we only got a couple minutes left, so, like, I want to make sure that anybody who's new to the idea that they do consider a couple of things, um, Violet's talked a lot about how most of these groups host in hotel rooms and stuff. I do want you to know that this is the kind of thing that you can reach out to your swingers club and broach. Like, this is something I'm interested in. Do you have members you'd recommend? And do you ever rent out your space? Because most of those clubs are sitting there empty five days a week, you know? So um, you can set up a space that is safer for you if if you choose to. Um, if the hotel thing doesn't work for you sort of thing, don't give people your home address until you are really comfortable with them, please. And how about sexual health stuff? Like how often would you recommend someone get tested if they're engaging in group sex? I know the recommended is every three months. But if you're doing group sex activities, say, two to three times a month on a regular basis, like, get tested every month if you can. Because it's just, it's good to be vigilant. And that way you know, more or less, if you're going to test positive, you can take preventative measures or be like, hey, so I tested positive after this event, but before this event, so, like, hey, you might want to reach out to the people who were in there. Awesome. And let them know, hey, we made a common contact. And, like, just on that note, folks, let's try to remember that sexually transmitted infections aren't actually any different than catching other infections and viruses. Um, it's just that they have to do with sex, and that's why they're stigmatized. So we don't have to treat people badly when they report, you know, that they found out that they've got chlamydia or herpes or, or whatever. Um, yay for telling us that we can get tested and get the appropriate treatment. Most things are completely treatable these days. Um, I know that there's lots of questions. I like my, my texting is like totally lit up here, but I only have a minute and a half. So I'm going to go with my favorite one so far. And can you share a little bit about your favorite experience and what made it such a good experience? Oh God. Um, my favorite experience was as much as I was uncomfortable at the time was the first one. And I was also uncomfortable after the fact, but for, while I was playing, it was a lot of fun during my first time there because I got to have the slutty sex that I wanted where I could have three people focusing all their attention on me. And I'm very much an attention whore. So to have that kind of attention made me feel like I was actually sexually desirable, which also made me feel like I um, had a little bit of self-esteem at the time. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. And and I love the vulnerability that you shared today, Violet. I really appreciate that you were willing to come out and share these things. Um, folks, we've got like 20 seconds. So I just want to push it out there again. www.aspecc.ca. Go kick in a couple bucks so we can keep this podcast going. Make sure you're showing some love to the radio channel and have a sex positive night.